0: I just want to say, in case I don't think about it at the end, uh, just Pastor John and Anita want to thank you so much uh, for your hospitality and friendship and the privilege of being able to be here, and especially to be here just a couple days before your 35th anniversary. That is absolutely awesome. And uh, so thankful to be with you. And just um, only heaven's going to reveal all the good things that God has done and is doing and will do yet in the future here through this church. And, um, and I'm just so thankful that over the years, Lisa and I have had the privilege of being able to come on occasion and, and be a part. And we just wish you a great, great, great year. I want you to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 22. I want to share a message with you tonight that I really believe these meetings, and especially as they've progressed, um, I really think God is saying something to this church. Uh, not that He wasn't before I got here, but I just think there's, um, there's a, a focusing that's taking place. And, um, you know, we talk Sunday morning about um, the destinations that we have and sometimes the storms, the distractions that we have to go through to get to our destination. And we need to be sure that uh, we don't forget the assignment that we have uh, Jonah had an assignment to go somewhere. Where was it? Nineveh. The disciples had an assignment to take Jesus to the other side. Uh, Paul had an assignment to get to Rome. And, and the assignment involved a destination. And we pointed out that our destination doesn't necessarily involve a geographical destination, but, but rather a spiritual qualitative destination. That God is wanting us to become uh, more mature, more developed, uh, more useful to Him, more yielded to Him, more um, filled with Him. Uh, there's a destination that God has for us. There's things that He wants to accomplish through us individually and through us corporately. And last night we looked at how that God's plan for the believer in the last days. He said, I will pour out my Spirit on all flesh, all my covenant children. And, and we found out three key themes in Scripture. Everybody, influence, and expression... And that God puts things inside of us so He can get things out of us. Uh, he invests in us so that there can be a display, an expression uh, coming out of us through the various gifts, talents, skills, and abilities that He's given us. And so tonight, I want us to look at a story that happened uh, in the ministry of Jesus. And it says, then came, I'm sorry, verse 7 of Luke chapter 22... Luke 22, 7. It says, Then came the day of unleavened bread, when the Passover must be killed. Now, in their culture, in their faith, uh, Passover involved uh, a feast that went all the way back to Exodus, when the original Passover lamb in each household was uh, slain, and the blood was put on the uh, doorposts, and. And they were given instructions on how to eat the lamb. And it was a very sacred, it was a very significant and historical celebration that they had participated in generation after generation. And so it, it, it's time, there's a set time for something very, very special to happen. And it's so, what he says in verse 8 is interesting. He says, uh, and he, Jesus, sent. Peter and John saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. Now, what's interesting about this statement is how absolutely incomplete the statement is. He te- the, the, if you go back and study the Passover, it was an elaborate meal that involved elaborate preparation. And Jesus says, Oh, by the way, go do that. He doesn't tell them where. He doesn't give them any details. He doesn't give them any information about how they are supposed to do it. He just says, go do it. Now, there's something kind of interesting. There may be some ladies here thinking, well, that sounds like a man. Um, You know, doesn't give enough details. Uh, You know, ladies sometimes complain that men, you know, just, you know, how was your day? Fine. And the men think they've communicated thoroughly and the women are wanting details. But Jesus gives no details here. And so they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? You know, that, it helps to know some details, doesn't it? But I'm going to tell you something. There is a trade, and I hope you don't think this is a source of frustration, but God operates usually with us on limited information. What do I mean by that? He doesn't tell us everything. He will tell us just enough to get us curious, to get us questioning, to get us interested, to get us interacting with Him. And the Bible says we know in part and we prophesy in part. Knowledge with God is something He has all of it and He just gives us bits of it. But it's what we do with the small bits that determine if we're going to get the rest of the information. And we have to, many times, interact, because many times God will tell us to do things in our personal lives. But He doesn't tell us a lot about it. He'll just give us a little bit of information. And then it's up to us to seek Him for further clarification. It's up for us. And and a lot of times, uh, that's why in the gifts of the Spirit, even it's called a word of knowledge. It's not a paragraph of knowledge. It's a word of knowledge and, or a word of wisdom. And, and we get the word, but then we have to many times inquire on how to make application. Everybody say application. application. One of the things that happens in many people's lives is they get a word from God, but they don't make the right application. Let me, let me give you an example. Brother Hagin one time years ago was with a group of ministers And they were, uh, it was after a service, if I remember right, and they'd gotten together for some food and fellowship after the service. And a call came in to the minister's house where they were. And it was a long-distance call from another part of the country. And the voice on the other end was a minister that that man knew, the minister host knew. And the, the request was, in this other state... A minister's wife had fallen ill and was in very critical condition and conveyed the message to this pastor asking all these other ministers to pray for sister so-and-so because the word from the doctor was very negative, the prognosis was very dim. And so the minister took the information, hung up the phone, uh, said to all the ministers there in the room where Brother Hagen was, "Well, that was Brother So and So, and 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 Minister So and So's wife uh, just fell ill, and the prognosis is very bad. The doctors say she's not going to make it. Let's pray." So all those ministers began to pray. And they prayed for some time. They prayed, uh, you know, seriously, fervently. And after about 20, 25 minutes of prayer, um, one of the the youngest minister in the room uh, said, Hey, wait, everybody stop. I just just heard from heaven. Uh, She's healed. We can stop praying now. And so he said, let's just praise God that she's healed. So everybody starts praising God and worshiping and things of that nature and thanking God. And while they're still thanking God, the phone rings again. And it's the same person calling and say, well, we just wanted to let you know. uh, Brother so-and-so's wife just died. You know, just wanted to let you know. So the minister, you know, puts the phone down and comes in and and, uh, says, well, guys, uh, you know, she's dead. Now that young minister is very embarrassed. Can you understand that? And so everybody goes back to eating and doing whatever they're doing, and, and Brother Hagan goes over to that young minister, and he's saying, "Well, I'm, you know I'm embarrassed. Everybody thinks I'm a false prophet now, and, and everybody, nobody's going to have any confidence in me." And Brother Hagan says, "Well now wait, just wait a minute. Uh, just tell me what exactly did you hear?" And he says, well, while we were praying, right at the end there, he said, uh, I just heard these words in my spirit, quit praying, she's fine. Now, God didn't tell every detail. And Brother Hagin said, Brother, you didn't miss it. You, You heard from God exactly. He said, you got the right word You just didn't make the right application. She was fine. I'm going to tell you what. There's nothing more fine than being in heaven with Jesus. But see, sometimes we we make assumptions. Um, When when Lisa and I were first married, um, we'd been married one year. We'd been one year to Bible school. And we went to Australia and preached for the summer. We were... 21 and 22 years of age and very young and just getting started and we traveled around all over the place in southeastern Australia and we were in a city called Mildura and um, the host family that we were going to be staying with during a minister's conference picked us up and and the lady we were at least and I were in the back seat and the lady that was driving us, the lady of the house where we were going to be staying, she was pointing out different, this is this park, and this is such and such lake. And, and I'll never forget this, still very, very clear to me in my mind. She said, and on the right is the Mildura Army Base Hospital. And I turned and looked to the right, saw the hospital. And the second my eyes laid sight on that hospital, I heard these words down here. And the words that I heard were, before you leave this town, your wife will be in that hospital. Those were the exact words. Not one word added, not one word taken away. And, and, and it shocked me because it came from down here and it came up here. And my mind heard it. And in my mind, I said, what? Didn't say it out loud, but in my mind, I said, what was that? And again, these words came from down here. Before you leave this town, your wife will be in that hospital. Now, what I should have done was I should have probably prayed. That'd be a good idea. Pray. But what I did was I began to reason, and I began to try to figure out mentally how how would that be? Why would my wife? and I remember thinking. Uh, well, why would my wife be in a hospital? I said, why do people go to the hospital? Uh, she's fine. There's nothing wrong with her. Uh, and I thought, tonsillitis. And uh, then I said, no, she hadn't had a sore throat. And then I thought, appendicitis. No, she hadn't had a stomach ache. I said, oh, that's silly. I'm just, no, not, not going to pay any attention to that. Blew it off. Didn't, didn't ask God. Didn't pray. Didn't tell her. Uh, just blew it off. We get up the next morning. Uh, the The people were there to pick us up to take us to the minister's conference. We, uh, we, we both got in the back seat and uh, there was uh, another lady on the other side. Lisa was in the middle. I was on the far right. Uh, another lady on the left side, uh, one of the wives of one of the two men in the front seat. And uh, this guy starts driving us to the minister's conference. We hadn't been in that car more than two minutes before he ran a stop sign. And we got broadsided by a car going about 45 miles an hour. Took us up on two wheels and we spun. I thought we were going to flip. We never flipped. And um, the lady sitting next to Lisa that took the impact on that side, she ended up broken, pretty much broke everything on this side of her body. And and Lisa was in between us and got sandwiched. And guess where she went and spent the night? That hospital. (laughs) Sorry, baby. Um, you know, we're thankful it wasn't worse. But, um, you know, I, I look back on that. And when God speaks to us, he doesn't necessarily tell us everything. But I think he will tell us enough so that it's really an invitation for us to seek him more. And to get more clarification. And so Jesus says to Peter and John, go And prepare the Passover for us that we may eat. What that is, is direction. Everybody say direction. Now the interesting thing about the direction is they really don't have the means to do what Jesus told them to do. They're not anywhere close to their home. They're visiting in a different city. They don't have anywhere near the provisions or the wherewithal to do what Jesus told them to do. So when God gives you direction, let me tell you two things about it. Number one, He doesn't tell you everything. Number two, you may not think you can do it. But what you do then is you don't say, well, I can't do that and turn around and walk away. What you do is you begin to talk to God about it. And so they did what's appropriate here. They got direction and then they asked a question. Ask him, talk to him about it. So they said to him, where do you want us to prepare? And he said to them, behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water and follow him into the house which he enters. Then you shall say to the master of the house, the teacher says to you, where is the guest room? where I may eat the Passover with my disciples. Then he will show you a large furnished upper room there make ready. So they went and found it just as he had said to them, and they prepared the Passover. Now I want to tell you four elements that are involved in this process because this process that we just saw really establishes a prototype a pattern for the way that God is going to use us most of the time. Because God works in predictable patterns. The first thing that you have is direction. And remember about the direction, when He said, go prepare the Passover, um, He didn't tell them all the details, and they couldn't do, in their minds, they could not do what He told them to do. So don't you be shocked if there are times where God tells you to do something and it doesn't seem like you have the ability to do it. Don't walk away from the direction, but begin to talk to God about it. Because what you need is you need further clarification. So you have the direction, and then you get the question. When God gives you direction, talk to Him about it ask him. He's not offended. Did you notice Jesus didn't say, how dare you ask me a question? Just go do it. No, Jesus knew that they needed some additional information. And sometimes I think God just gives us enough information to get the conversation started because he wants us to interact with him. And he he assumes he's going to tell us more, uh, but he just wants us to communicate with him. So they ask him the question, and then the third thing that happens is a connection. He says, go into the city, and you'll meet a man carrying a pitcher of water. He said, follow him. Isn't that interesting? How, how this happened, I, I think it was a divine connection. And I'm going to tell you what, what happened is once they made the connection, Then they found their provision. So here's the process. Direction, question, connection, provision. Direction, question, connection, provision. This is a pattern. And I think you're going to see this in, in different places. Let me give you another example where this happened. Jesus had been ministering to thousands upon thousands of people. And uh, the disciples came to Jesus and said, Lord, they're going to be really hungry. You'd better send them away so they can go into the city and get some food. And you remember what Jesus said? He said, you give them something to eat. Direction. Guess what? They couldn't do it. Jesus will ask you to do things that you don't think you can do. But they said, well, Lord, we, we can't do that. And they said, oh, there's just this little kid here. And he's just got a few loaves and fishes. And Jesus said, bring him to me. And get me those loaves and fishes. See, the little boy was the connection. And once the connection was made, now we have the... The provision. Now, what we have to understand about this is that the disciples could have ignored the little boy. They could have just said, Jesus, you know, I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but Jesus, you're crazy. We can't feed this group of people. But um, Peter and John could have not asked a question, just, well, let's go do it. And they'd been wandering around the city trying to... But they had to ask the question. They had to get the next step. And, you know, I think there's a lot of people who are frustrated in their Christian life because maybe God has dealt with them about something that He wants them to do. But either they've never gotten... The, they've never asked the questions, God, help me know how to do this. See, the Bible says if you lack wisdom, ask Him and he'll give it to you and he he won't upbraid you he won't criticize you for not having known but a lot of people don't that not only do they not ask the question but they just walk away because they think well God I could never do that and what's missing in many many cases is the connection And the reason the connection is missing in so many situations is because we tend to be very, very individualized Christians. We want to live our Christianity in a cocoon instead of in a community. Did you hear that? We want to live our Christianity in a cocoon instead of in a community. Because God is going to put us in touch with people. They're going to be people that you connect with. And and there's going to be something that they have that you need to spark something inside of you. You've got the nitro, but they've got the glycerin. Now when we hear this stop and think about this for a minute you're trying to do god's will you're trying to obey jesus and and he's asked you to prepare to put this thing out and make this thing happen and and you don't know how and and uh, it's really tempting to think, god i could sure use that man with the water pot how many of you would like to Tomorrow, find that person that has the missing piece of the puzzle that would cause you to become everything that God has called you to become and to be able to do everything that God wants you to do. How many of you want to find that man with the water pot tomorrow? You want to know the one thing in life that's better than finding the man with the water pot? Is when you get to be the man with the water pot for somebody else. See, you may hold the key of encouragement that somebody else needs. I talked about George Washington Carver the other day, and I'm going to talk about him again tonight. Um, George Washington Carver was born right around the time of the Civil War. He started his life as a slave, but he became a chemist, a horticulturist, and an educator as well as a great inventor. He discovered 300, more than 300 uses for peanuts and hundreds of more uses for soybeans, pecans, and sweet potatoes and and just to make all these more marketable, more uh, economically productive. And George Washington Carver was a great man of prayer. And he, he made this statement. He said, when I was young, I said to God, God tell me the mystery of the universe. What do you think of that prayer? It's pretty ambitious, isn't it? God, tell me the mystery of the universe. Now, I'm quoting him, all right? He said, I said, God, tell me the mystery of the universe. And God said, uh, that knowledge is for me alone. So I said, then show me the mystery of the peanut. And God told me, Well, George, that's more nearly your size. Don't you love that? Now, can I tell you one reason why I think many Christians never fully discover and fully step into the plan of God for their life is because they're looking at the universe and God's wanting them to look at a peanut. Because they don't know the value of the small thing. Well, I think one of the greatest mistakes that we make is we look at the big television preacher. We look at the, you know, mega celebrity. We look at some, you know, mega church and, and, and all that. And, and we begin to feel like, well, I'm so insignificant. I don't have much. I, I don't amount to much. I'm not, you know, I'm not some big celebrity preacher, some celebrity singer, um, you know. I'm not, you know, uh, an international whatever. And uh, we begin to feel there's there's three lies that Satan will tell you. Satan will tell you that you have little value. You are worthless. You have little faith. You are faithless and you have little ability, you are useless. What George Washington Carver discovered and what we need to discover is that we are probably not going to find our our assignment from God. We're not going to find our destiny uh, by looking to the stars and the massive universe. We need to find something little, something small, and be faithful. Moses, all, when, when God told Moses, I want you to go deliver the children of Israel. And that was another one of those deals like, how on earth am I supposed to do that? You know, God told Moses to do something that in the mind of Moses was absolutely impossible. And God said to Moses, after Moses was given all these excuses and everything, he said, Moses, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, it's a stick. And God said, throw it down and pick it back up. And you know the story of what happened there. And, and God used that stick to split the Red Sea and to bring the greatest empire of the world to its knees. Rahab had a piece of scarlet thread. And and didn't seem like much, but God used that piece of scarlet thread... To save her whole family. Samson only had the jawbone of a donkey. But that jawbone was used to slay a thousand of the enemy. The widow woman just had a little bit of oil. But she used the oil the way God said. And her whole family was spared. The little boy only had a few loaves and few fish. But Jesus used them to feed a multitude. Dorcas, in the New Testament, she just had some needle and thread. But but God used that needle and thread and she made all kinds of things to bless all kinds of people. You know, God's not looking for folks that are big. Because people who are big, sometimes they're too big for God. They're too busy trusting in all that they have. But the people that God uses are the people that God tells to do something that they probably can't do on their own, or at least they think they can't do on their own. But if they'll take time and just say, Jesus, it doesn't seem like I can do this. doesn't seem like we have enough to feed the multitudes. Jesus, we don't know. We're in a foreign city. We don't know where to go prepare a path. Where do you want us to go? If you'll take time and talk to God about it, even though it seems like He told you something impossible, if you talk to Him about it, He'll give you direction. And the direction will lead you to a connection, and the connection will lead you to your provision. The common denominator in all of these situations is that people had to act. People had to act. They couldn't look at what Jesus told them to do... and turn and walk away from it. Do you know how many people have done that? Do you know how many people have lived their whole lives? And there's stuff that God told them to do... desires... and and sometimes when God tells you to do something... it's nothing more than kind of an impulse. It's nothing more than a desire. It's nothing more than um, an urge to do something... But how many people get intimidated? How many people, due to feelings of inferiority, just back off and say, Well, I could never do that? And they never they never they never ask the questions. And because they never ask the questions, the seed of direction that God gave them lays ungerminated, lies ungerminated in their heart and life for years and years. And is one writer said they die with the song still in them when he gives us direction we need to ask him the questions he'll lead us to the connections that will unlock the provisions I'm I'm going to tell you I'm just going to close with this tonight really simple simple story but it is so powerful because what I want you to know that every single one of you here just individually and then when you take you all corporately, it just exponentially multiplies. The potential that you have to be used by God to change lives. The influence that you have the ability to have both inside the church and outside the church is 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 staggering. If you could see the potential that if you will follow the direction of God, and you may have to seek it out, you may have to ask Him some questions, but if you will seek the direction of God, He will bring to you the right connection. And sometimes you will find the man with the water pot, sometimes you will be the man with the water pot. But every time that connection is made between people, it, 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 it releases provision, heaven's provision. There's a young boy. His name was Larry. And Larry was, I think he was around 13 when this happened. And Larry, his whole life, his whole growing up life, from the time that he had been able to talk, Larry had a really, really bad stuttering problem. And he had grown up elementary school and probably was getting in toward middle school. But he had had situation after situation as a little kid where when he would start stuttering, his his schoolmates would mock him and make fun of him. There were times where he'd have to give a book report in school. and And those were just torturous moments for him because of his stuttering problem. And he knew that... Not only was he going to be embarrassed publicly in front of the class as he tried to give the book report and had great difficulty getting it out, but he knew that when he got out to recess and on the way home from school, uh, he was going to be the object of you know, very cruel teasing from very insensitive kids. And Larry attended a church where it was their custom to uh, have the young men in the church. Well, first of all, it was their custom to uh, have communion every Sunday. They would have communion every Sunday. And and part of their custom was uh, the young men in the church would volunteer and come forward and pray over the communion elements. And Larry was the only one his age, only of the young men his age, who had never Come forward to pray for the communion elements. And the reason he never did was because he knew his stuttering problem and he was so embarrassed about it, humiliated about it, that that was the last thing in the world he wanted to do was get up in front of church and pray publicly. But well-meaning people, adults and others, uh, well adults, would, would go to him and say, Larry, when are you going to pray? And they thought they were encouraging him. They just didn't realize how much pressure that put on him... ...every time one of them said that to him. Well, more and more adults had been asking him... ...Larry, when are you going to pray? And um, one Sunday, the, the young men that normally would get up to pray... ...none of them did. And Larry gets up because he feels the pressure. He said it wasn't a leading. He said it was pressure from people. He said, I got up out of my seat and walked forward for the first time in my life, to pray publicly. And he said when he prayed publicly, uh, that first time, he said he was way more nervous than normal. And because of how very, very nervous he was, he said he was stuttering far worse than normal. And he said, I couldn't get my words out. He said, I got confused when I was praying. And he said, I got so confused, he said, I actually butchered the Trinity. He said, I, in my stuttering, he said, I thank the Father for dying on the cross. And then he said, and then I thank Jesus for raising the Holy Spirit from the dead. And he said, I was stuttering throughout the whole thing. And he said, I just, he said, I was so flustered. I was so embarrassed. I was humiliated. He said, and, and the one thing I could not think of was the word, Amen. He said he knew there was a word that you used to shut down a prayer but he couldn't think of it and so he said I just kept rambling and stuttering and he said it just nothing was making sense and I was embarrassed and and he said finally he said I thought of the word amen and he said I said it and I sat down and he said I'll never forget as that little kid he said sitting there now this gentleman now is up in his 70s and um He said, I'll never forget sitting there, staring at the floor. He said, I was too embarrassed to look around the room. He said, "Um, I I sat there and he said, my face was on fire. You know, embarrassed. uh, And he said, but my insides, he said, were cold as ice. And he said, my insides were so cold and so hard... And he said, the only thing I remember saying to myself is, I will never, I will never speak in front of people again. I will never pray in front of people again. And he said, the only time he looked up, you know, while communion was being served, he said, the only time I looked up was to see, where's the closest exit? And he said because he'd been ridiculed by his kid friends so many times, he said the only thing he could imagine happening was that probably one of the elders of the church was going to feel obligated to correct his theology and tell him, "Now, now Larry, the father didn't die on the cross. And Jesus didn't raise the Holy Spirit from the dead, Larry. Now you know better than that. He said, the last thing I wanted was to get corrected by an elder. He said, I knew I'd messed up. He said, I just wanted to get out of there. And he said, when the service dismissed, he said, he bolted toward the closest door. And he said, right when I was there to push the door open, he said, it happened. He said, I felt this big hand, this big adult hand on my shoulder. And he said, I froze, I stopped. And he said, I told myself, he said, just get it over with. Just just turn around, let him correct you, and then get the heck out of here. And so Larry turns around and looks up, and guess who it is? It's one of the elders. And he says, I looked up at that man, I'm just thinking, just get it over with. And he said, that man bent over, had his hand on my shoulder still, and he said, Larry, he said, I just want you to know, that whatever you decide to do for the Lord, I'm behind you a thousand percent. And he said, he gave me this fatherly squeeze on the shoulder and just patted me and turned and walked away. And he said, something happened when those words were spoken. He said, you know, he'd learned years later that the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. And he said, those words were life words. He said, I didn't expect them to have the impact on me that they had. But he said, when he spoke those words to me, he said, something happened here. And he said, that cold, hard resolve, I will never speak or pray in front of people. He said, it just just melted. And he said, those words were, were healing words. And he said, they were so simple. He said, Larry, whatever you decide to do for the Lord, I'm behind you a thousand percent. He said about a month later, maybe a couple months later, he was at a youth meeting. And he said, God really showed up. And he said, the, the, the youth minister was talking. And he said, I, I just feel like tonight that some of you, that God is touching your heart and, and He's calling you to serve Him calling you to ministry. And he said, God touched him that night. Larry, the little boy, he said, God touched me that night. And he said, and I went forward. And he said, but I'll tell you what, he said, if that man had not spoken those words to him after that situation where he prayed over communion, he said, he doesn't think that he would have ever been in a position to have yielded himself because he said it took those words of comfort, those words of encouragement, those healing words to take away the hardness in his life. You know, sometimes we look at, you know, well, this missionary is doing this and this big minister is doing this and and all these type of things. But I'm going to tell you what, those small things, that word of encouragement to that little boy, People are talking, they want to change the world, but I'll tell you what, you just change one person at a time. Don't let the devil tell you, you don't have much. George Washington Carver only had a peanut, but he changed the world with that peanut. And there are assignments, there are... But see, I want you to notice, you know, that man could have done a couple different things. He could have said, well, you know, that poor kid, you know... Bless his heart. Well, I'll just pray for him. God bless him. And... No, God needed that man to go to him. And and also, he didn't need that man to go and be real hyper-spiritual about it. Yea, thus saith the Lord. God has sent me from the further furthermost part of the sanctuary to let you know. Now, he just said, Larry, whatever you decide to do for the Lord, I'm behind you a thousand percent connection. See, there's a connection there. And that connection changed that boy's life and changed that boy's destiny. Now let me tell you what that boy went on to do. Some of you may know his name, some of you may not. That young boy's name is Larry Crabb. He went on to become one of the foremost pioneers of the Christian counseling movement in the United States. He wrote dozens of books to help counselors take their secular training and and use the parts of it that are good and use scripture and prayer and the Holy Spirit to take Christian to take counseling where it's not just a secular exercise but where people's lives are being touched by the love and the compassion of God and 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 he's done amazing things All because a man was willing to do something, get up and walk across the room and make a connection. And when he made a connection, that boy received a provision. Maybe you need some people with water pots in your life. And if you do, we're praying tonight that God will direct you to the person that will connect you with your provision. But it's probably more likely that many of you are called of God to be the person with the water pot. Because you know things that people need to know. You're full of the Holy Spirit that people need to tap into. But you've got to believe in the God who lives on the inside of you. And and pray, God, bring me across people's paths today. God, make me an agent of change. God, make me today the person with the water pot for somebody. Because there's somebody that needs what I have. And you know, it could have been anybody. It could have been Jesus could have said, go find the guy with the yellow headband. Or go find the guy you know, with these kind of sandals. or But it was a water pot. Isn't that cool? Because Jesus had said that when we believe on Him, out of our innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. I'm telling you what, Pastor John, the potential in this church, the potential of the members is so amazing. But we have to have the right connections with people. And we do that by being, you know, loving, caring, kind, compassionate. Those things we read about last night: love one another, pray for one another, encourage one another. You never know when you're going to be the man with the water pot in somebody's life. Amen. Amen. Lisa, come on up. Would you? I, I, there's a song I want Lisa to sing, but I want you to go ahead and stand up. And we're just going to take a few minutes and. And we're just going to consecrate ourselves to God. And um, I want you, right now, I want you to think back throughout the course of your life and I want you to ask yourself this question. Is there anything that God has ever told you to do that you've kind of just never embraced? Some assignment... Now, I realize sometimes we can realize, well, God didn't really tell me that. I just thought that up. But, but stop and think because there are people all over the place that God has talked to you about things in the past and you just kind of put it on a shelf. Maybe you thought, well, I can't do that. I'm not adequate. I'm not capable. Maybe you're like a Gideon and you said, I'm from too poor of a family. I don't have the proper education criteria credentials. Maybe you're like Sarah and maybe you said, I was too old. I'm too old. Maybe you're like Jeremiah said, I'm too young. Maybe you have just had a really rough background and you feel like Peter when he said, Lord, depart from me. I'm a sinful man. But here's what I want you to know. The Bible says the gifts, And the callings of God are without repentance. That means if God ever called you to do it, that He hasn't changed His mind. Now maybe you haven't positioned yourself to obey God in that area, but you know what? It's not too late to ask Him the question. If God ever gave you the direction, it's not too late God wants you to ask Him the question, God, give me wisdom. Show me how to do this. And then He's going to connect you properly so that the full provision can be released and unleashed and you're going to be turned loose to be a blessing. Amen? Let's just take a minute and pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we want to thank You that You love Your people so much that we're not just here to be recipients. We're not just here to receive blessing. But Father, we are here having received rich impartations of the Holy Ghost and rich deposits of the Word of God in our life. And you've put gifts and skills and talents on the inside of each and every person here. And Father, I pray that if there are assignments, callings, That you've given people in the past that they've walked away from or ignored or kept on the shelf. Father, I pray tonight that the Holy Spirit will remind them. Maybe some of them, as a matter of fact, I'm picking this up in my spirit right now. Some of you even accepted the challenge from God. And you committed to do it, but then you just got distracted. It's not that you ignored it to begin with. God's wanting you to take that thing off the shelf. He's wanting you to dust it off. And He's wanting you to say, God, use me. Show me how to get back on track. There is no condemnation. So I want you to know right now that if you've laid something aside, God's not here to condemn you. God's here to help you get back on track. And so I want us to do this. I want you just to let this be a time of searching in your heart and, uh, Lisa, I want you to go ahead and minister this song. This is a song of consecration. And let this be your prayer as she ministers this song.
1: Where you go, I'll go. What you say, I'll say, God. What you pray, I'll go. to pray out.
0: are priests and Father I see tonight that we are the glove and you are the hand and Father we pray that we would be so pliable that we would be so responsive that you would express yourself through us Father, I thank you for the gifts, the skills, the talents, the abilities that you've put on the inside of each one here. The potential that you've put on the inside of each one. And Father, I pray for divine connections. Lord, I believe that there's going to be people tomorrow who are going to be divine connections for other people. There are people in this room that tomorrow you're going to use them to bring a word of encouragement. You're going to use them to show exceptional kindness. You're going to show, use them to, to give somebody hope that has no hope. They're going to impart joy to somebody that has no joy. And Father, I thank you that our lives are just going to be a continuous cycle of receiving and giving. Receiving and giving. Receiving and giving. Receiving your spirit, your joy, your peace, and then transmitting it, transferring it to others. Jesus, you said, freely you have received, freely give. Peter said, such as I have, give I thee. Father, I pray and I thank you tonight that we'll be awakened, we'll have a hunger, that God, we will not rest until we find our fulfillment in loving you and expressing you in the earth thank you for what we've received but father let us not be content until we have a stream flowing out of us to touch the world even if it's just one Larry at a time Father, we thank you and we give you praise for what you're doing in our lives. Pastor John, come on up. Father, we thank you and give you praise because you are good and because you're perfecting the work that you've begun in this church and perfecting the the work that you've begun in each of our lives individually. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name.
2: God put it on my heart beginning of this year towards the end of last year that this was a year when he wanted to lift the eyes of people here off of ourselves and to look up. Abraham's God told Abraham to lift his eyes and to see. Abraham could only believe for one child, and God wanted to expand his vision of what he wanted to do in him and through him. And most of us think so small. And most of us are so caught up in our own lives and our own growth and what's going on in our own lives. And in many cases, struggling day by day, one day at a time in some cases. And the potential that's in us that Tony talked about is literally the life of God. The prayer that I've been praying over you every day, over my family and over me, is that God, we would be strengthened by his spirit with might in our inner man, that Christ may live his life in us, that he may dwell in us through faith. that means that he can live what he wants to live and do what he wants to do in us and through us. And his eyes are looking up. His eyes are looking around. And he's not just calling us, he's working in us to do that. Because as we'll begin to lift our eyes off of ourselves and off of what we're going through and off the immediate world around us, we'll begin to see with his eyes what's around us. And as we begin to see with his eyes and we'll begin to take that step that you've heard about tonight, then the life of God will begin to flow out of you. The reason most of us are not experiencing more of it is dormant in us. And it starts with a little flow. And the more you release it, the more confidence you have. And the more confident you are, the more open you are, the more sensitive to you are to needs around us, you. And the more you do that, the more that life flows until it will just break forth. And as it does, the depression's going to go, the fear's going to go, everything, because it's the life of God flowing out of us. And for so many of us, that's the answer. That's the answer. God, it's time. It's time. It's God's Spirit saying to us at Faith Christian Center, it's time. And I don't sense it as God standing behind us, condemning us and pushing us, as so often I think people have felt and have done. God's calling us. He's calling us from inside. And it wouldn't surprise me if a number of you tonight already have that sense, and maybe even beginning to experience And I want you to know tonight, that's the spirit of God in you. That's not just your thinking. That's the spirit of God in you tapping on the inside saying, son, daughter, I'm trying to get your attention. Just listen to me. Follow what you've got inside. And I'll show you. I'll teach you. He's not angry. He's not mad. He's drawing us. He knows where we are. He knows what we know. He knows certainly what we don't know. And if we'll just be open and willing, he's well able to bring us there. Amen. And, oh, we're going to see something glorious, something glorious. If we'll just do it, and I believe we will. Praise the Lord. Amen.